The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. The best and worst moments worth remembering. Uh, there is a fake media out there. I get treated very unfairly. Six women who have accused Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault and sexual behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. 20,000 people then running the for safety. Right down the of a Confederate soldier is pulled down. Resignation of Michael Flynn was brought about. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. The Russians uh, sought to interfere with the election process. I have no dealings with Russia. Women's rights. Has refused the Trump administration to reinstate Bashar the travel ban. Al-Assad launched a horrible chemical weapons attack on innocent civilians. This is 2017, the year in your ear, brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. I, Donald John Trump. Do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States the office of President of the United States and will to the best of my ability and will to the best of my ability preserve protect and defend preserve protect and defend the Constitution of the United States the Constitution of the United States so help me God so help me God Congratulations, Mr. President. The the most significant, profound audio from 2017. I mean, uh, like him or not, it's the most significant when a president gets sworn in. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson along with Pat Gray for the year in your ear. If you want to join us on Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show and at Pat Unleashed. Can you imagine at that moment? Did your congratulations, Mr. President? Mm-hmm. That's where the rubber hits the road. Where you're like, okay, now this is on me, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it, it's interesting with Donald Trump because the entire campaign, um, we sort of speculated that maybe he didn't really want this. He he wanted to win, but he didn't really want the presidency. I, I that's the impression I sort of had. And then you know, recently with Melania's comments that he sort of misses his old life and wants to get back to it, and that she thinks he won't run for a reelection, that's somewhat confirmed. Right? I know, and I thought that too. I've, I've been thinking the last year or so he his brand grows. I mean, Trump was, and this is not an insult. He was about building Trump. He built an empire on his name. Even yes, when they went well, through he'd tell you that absolutely. Yeah, and through the process where he had to back off from some of his businesses, he talked about the value of his brand. Yeah. His brand just went through the stratosphere being the 45th president. No question. And when he's out of the presidency, he stands to increase his fortune by by billions of dollars. You almost have the same prestige because you'll get signed to boards you want and deals or whatever without yeah. the pressure. You will, he, yeah. he will be able to have said, I did it for four years. I was the 45th president and now I can move on. So it'll be interesting to see if he does indeed <laughs> not run for re-election because he's already proven he can do it. He's already done it. He's had that, and he's gotten the highest position in the land, and uh, now somebody else can do it. I'm going to get back to what I do best, and that's my businesses. I could see him saying that, which would be interesting because then, I mean, when was the last time we had a Republican incumbent who didn't run? It's been a long time. Absolutely. So, long time. so how do you size up 2017? I mean, he's almost a year in. Um, there's been a lot of... It's a mixed bag, I'd say. Yeah. 
I mean, I still give the guy, I mean, the, the Supreme Court pick is the, is the big it's dog great. for me. And yes. that was huge, and it was a wonderful pick. After that, it's been a lot of blustering, um, a lot of posturing, a lot of uh, attack the media and other people. Not that I mind all that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of it I actually appreciated. But beyond that, there hasn't been much of his agenda that got done, nor the Republicans in Congress. And not just not much of the I don't know that there's been any of his agenda. I mean, no, because even even his executive orders, some of them were challenged, like the uh, um, the ban for the uh, immigrants. Yeah, the countries, yes. So, yeah, not a lot. That's held up. Uh, couldn't get Obamacare repealed. They haven't gotten tax cuts uh, done yet. And and the tax cuts, the Republicans are these. A lot of these issues, though, are on the Republicans in Congress. They're so inept that we haven't gotten anything done when you've got the majority in both houses of Congress, and you have the executive branch, and you still can't get this done, so people are frustrated. Yeah, most of that's Congress. In fact, as you said that, I have to give Trump higher marks. Uh Because I -hmm. I want a president to not actually do a lot. I want them to veto a lot. I want to make sure everything... Not that he's had the opportunity to veto a lot, but not doing a lot, you picked a good Supreme Court pick, okay. Yeah. You know? And for a lot of people, that was... That was enough. Just the Supreme Court pick was what they based their vote uh, on, I think, for for an awful lot of people. And rightly so. It's important. And if he gets the chance to do another Supreme Court justice nomination, that court could be in really good shape. So aside from Trump getting elected, and I think a lot of people would pin a lot of what we're about to transition to on him, the crazy spectacle that has been the social justice warriors melting oh, down. Wow. The Antifa in the streets. A lot of people would pin it on him. I don't, but that's probably the most significant uh, after Trump getting sworn in, to, in, in my mind, happenings of 2017. It's, it's not his fault, certainly, but I think they are doing what they're doing because it is him in office. If it was, of course, they might be doing it if it was Ted Cruz in office, too. I, I think they probably would. So any Republican in office, but... If you had Hillary, I don't think you'd see Antifa in the streets. The Antifa thing has really been a marvel to me. The fact that you're saying you're anti-fascist, but you act like fascists. Yes. I mean, yes. In fact, Matt, I was an idiot for like the first couple times I heard him use this term. I was like, wait, but you're anti-fascist and you're... It took me a while to actually figure it out. So what you have yeah. here is you're doing fascist-like things, but you're not fascist, which means you're communists. I mean, really, yeah. that's that's what you're talking about here. Yeah, which which is worse, communists or fascists? They're both terrible. Right. Uh, they're both bad, uh, and they're both on the American scale, extreme far left. Because fascism is not a, a right wing thing. A small government is a right wing thing. So you can't become a fascist if you have a small government. So those are both uh, from the left. And the Antifa is just a, an excuse. The anti-fascist is just an excuse to hide their faces and, uh, and protest Donald Trump. Some of the sounds now of Antifa from 2017. We've been tracking Antifa for a long time. He was just down there at President's Circle, and they were handing out sharp objects to stab people with, said they had someone coming with an AK. Why did it take two late-night hosts, comedians, to find this out? I, you know what? I wish you guys luck. Do you remember when Crowder actually went to the streets and like, hey, by the way, guys, they got weapons. This is not the peaceful little, hey, we just don't like what uh, that president's doing or this group of people we're going to protest. No, no. These are violent people. And that's one of the differences of the protest this year, a little bit last year. 
is people are willing openly to be violent. They'll tell you that. That's mm-hmm. what they call for. Yeah, and that's fascinating because do you remember back to the Tea Party protests and how the left was continually saying that these people are inciting violence and they're and they're encouraging violence and there was never any of it. There was never any indication that they were violent at all. Here was a group that is violent, <laughs> that is condoning violence, and they didn't have any kind of criticism for at the beginning. It, right. it became so bad though that they even had to they had to distance themselves from Antifa. But you're right; they they struggled so hard. They to did. try to find they the wanted tea party. so badly. And by the way, still on record, is there any significant aside a Tea Party violence? I any? don't think any. Uh-uh. I, I don't. I don't think so. I was at countless meetings in cities all over America. Yeah. No, none of that stuff. But here's a group of people that actually calls for it. And the media was like, they so didn't want to distance themselves. They still wanted to believe in him, Pat. They, they still had to fight badly. it for him, you know. Yes. And then 2017, the year of let's take down statues. Let's whitewash history. Let's do mm. everything we can to get rid of our history. In Durham, North Carolina, this week, a statue of a Confederate soldier, in place since 1924, is pulled down by protesters. In that same city today, a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee on the Duke University campus is vandalized. In Baltimore, Wednesday, four monuments to the Confederate era are taken down in darkness overnight on orders from the mayor. She says it's in the interests of public safety following this. The street violence in Charlottesville, resulting in a young woman's death. Tonight, analysts say that event and President Trump's pronouncements out of it have taken an uncomfortable American predicament to a new level. The debate over the Confederate monuments has accelerated unimaginably. Fueled by President Trump's controversial handling of the aftermath in Charlottesville. Today, the president tweeting, quote, sad to see the history and culture of our great country being ripped apart with the removal of our beautiful statues and monuments. It's like something from a, a third world country where a dictator is toppled mm-hmm. and they start tearing the statues down. Yeah. And there, there was an interesting video of a group of students, black students, who went, I, I think it was in Richmond, it was somewhere in Virginia, and their teacher took them to see for themselves the statues. And when they came back, all of these black kids, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, were interviewed about their thoughts of seeing these Confederate statues. And one of the kids said, you know, those statues have never hurt any of us. <laughs> right, right. We're not worried about those statues. Those statues don't put food in our stomachs. They don't take drugs off the streets. They don't provide... Uh, uh, together families in our homes they're just statues they haven't hurt anybody so they had such a great perspective on that and yet you've got all of these left-wing idiots that say you've got to remove all of that now we we, why why for all of the arguably divisive things that president trump has said his comments on the statues and taking the statues down I thought were incredible. He even got more mm-hmm. criticism for that. And I don't think people really got it. We'll discuss that and more coming up on the year in your ear. 2017. But in dark times. The year in your ear. Americans do what they do best. We pull together. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network.
ABC Hurricane Unwanted Sexual Advance. Hugh Hefner, the publisher of Playboy, has died. Now, back to 2017. The year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson and Pat Gray on the Year in Your Ear. We're regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network, and you can watch us on the Blaze TV as well. In fact, uh, right now there is a great deal on the Blaze TV. Just go to theblaze.com slash free trial, and you can start your free trial today, theblaze.com slash free trial. As we tore down all of the statues, and by we, I mean the progressives across America. Pat, I was actually kind of torn on this. I actually I get their point. Yeah, I do too. I mean, do you I want do monuments to people that were not really good guys? Yeah. That's not to discount the good that they did do because they did do some, but they make a good point. But then I have to um, settle on why are you whitewashing history, good or bad. A statue doesn't necessarily mean we're celebrating that person. Right. We have negative images depicted in artwork and everything to make a different point. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that so many people can't see that side of it, that this is our actual history. And just by tearing down the statues doesn't change the history. But that's obviously what they want to do. And it got to the point where uh, the president asked a tremendous question. This is the quintessential question from Donald Trump. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down... Excuse me. Are we going to take down? Are we going to take down statues to George Washington? I mean, and they acted like he was an idiot, like he was comparing <laughs> George Washington to Robert E. Lee, and they were telling him, "Or oh, you don't understand history." Well, no. What he's saying is, where does this end? You're tearing down things you don't like. You don't like slave owners either. So, are they next? And the fact was. Yes, they were next, and it happened that day or the <laughs> right, next. Right. Some people called for it. Yes. So, okay, so there are some people out there that would say, no, you got to draw the line. Robert E. Lee, you got to take that down. That's a Confederate, uh, you know, he stood against America, whatever. And of course, Washington and Jefferson and cats like this, we got to keep them. Well, where's your consistency then? How do you arbitrarily yeah. draw the line? Yeah. And then there are some people who say, absolutely, we've got to get rid of those characters as well. I've got to take down the Washington Monument and Jefferson Memorial. I almost have more respect for them because at least they're being consistent in their argument. Yeah. I don't yeah. agree with them, but at least they're consistent. No, absolutely disagree with them. And, you know, to, to people in the South, Robert E. Lee was, was he a traitor to the United States? Yes, but the... The mindset at that time was more your state than it was the country. It was a little bit different mindset. It, the country hadn't, as a unified group of people, was not as solidified as it is today. And so there's a lot of people that just believe Robert E. Lee was fighting for a state. He just loved his state, and he was he was fighting for it, and that was the issue rather than slavery to him. He well, right? He, they he stood for the little guy in the South. Remember, mm-hmm. the North controlled it all. I mean, the South was second class citizens. They they were they were the yeah. poor. There weren't as many people in the South. Wrong or right, that's how they were seen. And Robert E. Lee was the local boy who was speaking for them, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always going to have some of that in the South. And by the way. You can respect Robert E. Lee for when it was over saying, okay, it's over. Right. It's over. He said, fine. Yeah. I accept defeat. We, we can move on. He believed in um, you know reconciliation and reconstruction. Let's go. And strangely, he actually had some quotes about black equality, about 
I mean, he did not hate black people. He didn't seem to be racist. I mean, it was a completely different time, so it's it's hard to equate the things people said then with the things people say now and believe now. But for a man in his time in the South who was <laughs> a, a major, the major figure in the in the Confederacy, he was pretty open minded uh, about uh, African Americans. Absolutely, and you take in, compare Robert E. Lee with the dividers nowadays again civil war ends robert mm-hmm. e lee gets on board yeah we can move all we can move past this you still got people fighting the civil war on both sides tragically but yes. definitely when it comes to race relations let's continue to divide 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 robert e lee said okay we've moved beyond it and let's unite it's interesting because one of michelle obama's uh, famous quotes that we played over and over and over on on glenn's show was that we've we've got to change our history we got to change our traditions we have to change our culture that's exactly what's happening we're trying to change history we're trying to erase the confederacy we're trying to erase the founders and and they're really on the way to accomplishing that and the irony is we all know the quote those who forget history are doomed to repeat it yeah so you didn't like what happened you didn't like slavery you didn't like all the bad great neither did i so you want to Ignore it, pretend it didn't happen, forget about it. You're just ensuring that some form of that's going to happen again. I mean, are we supposed to forget about the, the Holocaust happening? No, we remember the Holocaust so that we never allow it to happen again. Yeah, there, I mean, how many Holocaust museums and memorials and statues are there? Why? Remember many. the bad. Right. You're not celebrating Hitler. <laughs> You're not saying, hey, remember this guy? He was great. On the contrary. So I think 2017 is going to be the year that, at least in part, is remembered when we started tearing all of that stuff down. But I don't think it's the end. I think you're going to see more and more of that. I think we probably have taken a little bit of a sidestep because you get into the holidays year end. It's cold out. Who wants to tear statues down when it's cold outside? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? People are protesting. But this spring, it starts heating up. They'll start tearing them down again. Oh, I think they will. Yeah, I think they will. And, and years from now, 50 or 100 years from now, people, Americans, are going to look back at this time and think, what the hell was wrong with you people? What, do you, what, what is the deal? It's a statue. It wasn't hurting anything or anybody. Why didn't you focus on the important things? And they'll be right. We should have been, we should have been focusing on more important things than whether or not there's a, a statue in the town square. Are we so sensitive that we have to put up the signs? Because that's one of the other arguments. Okay. The statues can stay, but we've got to put a sign that puts it into context. Right. In, you mentioned Virginia in Richmond, Virginia, one of my favorite places, my adopted hometown. And there's a road, a divided road, very nice road through downtown called Monument Avenue. Because in the middle, there's all of these monuments, most of them Confederate war heroes, yeah. all facing the north, you know, all lined up. They got Arthur Ashe at the end. That's a very different thing. But they did put him up because he's a <laughs> local Arthur boy. Was Arthur Ashe from Richmond? He is, and they oh, put him at okay. the end there. Wow. Um, he's got a racket. It looks so they like got he's... Robert E. Lee and right. then a tennis great from the 1970s. That happens to be black, though. Okay. Yeah, right. so, true. So it looks like he's clubbing the kids with a racket. It really <laughs> does. It's, it's a kind of a funny monument. But they wanted to put him in context. We got to put up a sign that makes sure people understand what it was about. Well, I mean, who doesn't know that now? Yeah. Do you really have to? And have you failed at your education system? Is your local schools failed to the point that you need to put those up there? Uh, probably the answer is yes. <laughs> so, so maybe we go ahead and put that up there, right? Doc Thompson and Pat Gray, regular here on the Blaze Radio Network, in for the year in your ear. This is the year in your ear, brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. 
2017. The president-elect of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Reports of an active shooter near the Mandalay Bay Casino. On the year the in your ear. The deadly terror attack in Lower Manhattan today. Now returns on the Blaze Radio Network. We have been meeting with officials here who told me that even though it appears on the surface that things have calmed in terms of the military activity up until just a matter of hours ago when those missiles were launched, they say that this is the most tense situation that many of them have seen in a number of years. And the reason for that goes back uh, to those words from President Trump, uh, fire and fury, locked and loaded. Even though the news cycle in the United States has moved on here in North Korea, they are still thinking about that. They considered it a threat. And while we've heard a lot of fiery rhetoric from North Korea over the last month. We're now seeing something very different that we haven't seen since the end of July when they launched that intercontinental ballistic missile. We are seeing actual military activity. So you mentioned those three ballistic missiles that were launched. You mentioned their short range. Uh, two of them travel just about 250 kilometers or just over 150 miles. But that puts all of Seoul potentially in striking range. Key U.S. military bases in South Korea well within striking range. And even though this was just one of uh, dozens of missile tests, ordered by North Korea's Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un. We're also seeing him appear. He, uh, just within the last uh, hour or so, uh, appeared on state media here on the, the evening news in North Korea. Although we have faced a potential war with Korea again since the Korean War in the 1950s, and there have been little things that have popped up over the years where it gets tense for a while, it has not been like um, it has not been as ten- as intense as it was in tw- like it was in 2017, probably since the Korean War. Oh, I'd say so. Yeah, not for any extended period of time. Hey there, it's Doc Thompson and Pat Gray for the year in your ear. I'm a little biased in this, Pat, and I have to admit my bias. My wife was born in South Korea. Most of her family lives in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to police the world. That's not what I want America to do. I'm tired of fighting everybody's battle for them. The money, mm-hmm. the blood loss. However, I don't think this cat's going to stop. I don't think yeah. Kim Jong-un is going to stop. He's pretty nutty. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because some experts claim that they're way ahead in their missile development. And they've, they've got missiles now that it could actually reach the U.S. mainland. Others say they're nowhere near that. I don't even know who to believe on this. Um, I read an article because everybody was saying that if some sort of heated action develops uh, militarily between us and North Korea that Seoul would be obliterated within hours. And one of these experts uh, wrote a massive article on how that's just not so um, because they've got missile defense. They're not as North Korea is not as advanced as people are saying. So you really don't know what to believe. I, I, you got all these conflicting reports. I, I don't know if North Korea is in the dark ages or or if they're they've joined all of us in the modern age. I, I don't know. From what I can tell, um, yeah, Seoul is obviously going to be a target, and if they get a they even get a couple of shots off, it's going to be bad for Seoul. I don't think obliterated. Um, when you look at based on what information we have, they have a lot of more traditional, conventional weapons along the border. You know, mm-hmm. missiles along the board, they could easily go over, and, and quite a few. Um, and yeah, likely you're going to have, if reports are true, the ability for them to send the now miniaturized nuclear warhead that they have on an ICBM. It looks like they're right there. Obviously, if we did anything, anybody leading our military, any member of the military, any general, they know they have to get the nukes. 
And then yeah. secondarily, they have to get um, any of those weapons that would be targeted at Seoul. Can we use some sort of um, electromagnetic pulse? Can we use cyber warfare to shut down some of that stuff? I mean, theoretically, if we ever got pushed to that point, they would know that and get most of it, I think. I would think so, and I, I, I would hope so. You know, we've been preparing for this for 60 years, over 60 years now. So you know there's got to be some contingency, right? There's got, there's got to be some kind of plan in place for when this implodes and and it, most everybody thinks at some point it's going to especially with a nutty guy like kim jong-un in charge are cooler heads gonna prevail in north korea it doesn't look like it to me just a month or so ago we had a prisoner a north or excuse me a soldier a north korean soldier defect by running across the dmz that's unheard mm. of wow he got shot uh, i think five times ended up surviving is doing okay he had a persistent uh, liver disease, hepatitis B, and an active parasite in his bowels that the worms were, they said, 11 inches long. Wow. This was a soldier. That's pretty nasty. Oh, it is. This is what they live with in North Korea. This was Jeez. a soldier, meaning he was not at the low end. He was not the, the lowest in their society. He actually had a, you know some food and some access to medical and whatever. That was him. What do you think the rest of the people are like? Oh, and the people in the concentration camps that we rarely hear about, but they've got these labor camps where, I mean, tens of thousands of people are starving to death in them, are being tortured to death, are in just terrible states of health. And, and then, you know, even if you're not in a labor camp, there's been boycotts of that nation for so long, and they are communist and have been communist for so long. So they've got a, a wrecked economy anyway, even without the boycotts. It's got to be really bad for the normal citizens in North Korea. Well, it was so funny <laughs> over the last year, we keep hearing, well, we're going to, we got more sanctions. That's our plan. And I was like, wait, yeah, we've been wait, doing that. Wait, wait, how has that worked <laughs> out? It hasn't really worked. A few years ago, um, a prison, a former prisoner escaped from North Korea. He was a younger man, late teens. Uh, he wrote a book called Escape from Camp 14. Now, several mm. people have escaped from North Korea and written books. His was an interesting story. His mother, for something she didn't do, it was a family member because they punished three generations, was put into one of so their So that is camps. a true thing. Yeah, absolutely. They actually, when you commit a crime against the state, they punish not just you, but three generations yeah, so, of your family? So it moves lateral. Wow. So your cousins, sisters, brothers, whatever, but then it lo- moves three generations that's insane. Oh, it's it's crazy. That's insane. And it's all that's their control mechanism. Well, Jeez. his mother through something she didn't do was put into a labor camp and she was raped by the guards and she had him with virtually no medical support in the labor camp and had to raise a baby while in a labor camp. He was tortured most days of his life by somebody, the guards, whoever. And at the age of like 6 or 7, something like that, one day, she's pulled into the middle of the camp, and while he watches, they shoot her. And then his man. life gets oh, really, man. really bad, and he is tortured mm. even more. And at some point, he finally said, I'm not going to believe that things are so much worse everywhere else. I, I'm getting out of here. He didn't even know where he was going. He just fled and eventually made his way back to, made his way to South Korea, where they have a reunification program and try to take care of you. But this is what goes on, and this is what Americans don't understand. And this is why I have so much trouble with it and something I'm going to be conflicted with as we move through 2018. I'm a Christian. 
And I know what goes on over there. And this is arguably on the level of what has happened at the worst times in, in human history, like Nazi Germany in, in the Second World War. Since your wife is from South Korea, have you, have you been there? Yeah. Have you visited? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. In fact, you know what? Let me get a break in here, and we'll continue. I'll tell that story and touch on a little bit more about what likely is going to come with North Korea in the coming year. Doc Thompson and Pat Gray on The Year in Your Ear. It's not a matter of if, but when we go to war. ISIS is still capable of influencing... A terror attack in one of the most famous... British police are responding to two terrorist attacks tonight in central London. 2017, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Begun to see Hurricane unwanted sexual advance. Hugh Hefner, the publisher of Playboy, has died. Now, back to 2017. Earthquake that has rocked the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. This is the year in your ear, the year that was 2017. I'm Doc Thompson, along with Pat Gray, talking about some of the most significant stories and one of the stories that likely will continue in the next couple of years and possibly not to a good end, is our troubles with North Korea. So, Pat, before the break, you asked me if I've been there, and I have. My wife's family has um, a piece of property and a compound, several houses in that, that the family lives in that's right up next to the DMZ. Wow. Where they have South Korean soldiers that often will walk through their property, making sure it's all protected on that, that side. Mm-hmm. And the first time I visited, we're driving from Seoul. It's a few hours away. And it's twisty and windy roads. And we passed these huge monolithic, like uh, man-made cement structures, maybe six feet wide. And they run along the road, maybe 10, 15 feet, and then 10, whatever feet high. And they have big blocks up on top of them. It's just a very odd structure. And I saw a couple of them. I finally asked, what, what are those? Well, those blocks up on tops have little legs in front. And they can blow the legs off and these big cement structures fall into the road to stop anybody from invading from the north. Oh, And this is what they lived with because because of the mountains, the only way they're going to be able to invade is on the roads, which go through the the lower spots. And the same thing when you Mm. go over the the bridges, there are natural impediments that they build into the bridges so you can't invade using the creek beds and stuff. Wow. And the subway system in Seoul is designed to be a fallout shelter. And they live with this every day. They always know that's out there. It's almost like us during the Cold War, how you know it's bad, at times it gets real serious, but you just kind of live with that sort of Damocles hanging yeah. over your head. Yeah. When I was in grade school in the uh, in the 70s, uh, I remember doing drills where you get under your desk, mm-hmm. where you do the, the air raid drills. <laughs> right, right. Like if it's a nuclear holocaust, uh, I'm going to be okay if I'm under my desk. Everyone knows that's <laughs> certainly going to protect you. Absolutely. that's. <laughs> I was under my desk when I got uh, incinerated. So that was really good. I'm So kind of a weird thing. So I can't imagine living with that every day and that that always hanging over your head but i guess it's kind of a way of life to them they're probably pretty used to it by now yeah they are uh one of the things about north korea that's really interesting and something we're gonna have to deal with in the future uh for years they have exported meth they export a lot of meth to to china and other places around the world and they give it to their own people and tell them it's medicine 
<laughs> so it's like you got wow. cancer or whatever. Here's meth. And they think it's actual medicine and it uh-huh. makes you feel a little bit better for a while. Look, I have so much energy now, <laughs> you know, but it's meth. I mean, this is what they're doing to their own people. So uh, what are we wow. supposed to do? Um, this mm. is definitely a threat for us. President Trump, I don't know if he's serious about taking action or not, but he had some pretty strong words about North Korea. The regime has interpreted America's past restraint as weakness. This would be a fatal miscalculation. This is a very different administration than the United States has had in the past. Do not underestimate us and do not try us. All responsible nations must join forces to isolate the brutal regime of North Korea, to deny it and any form, any form of it. You cannot support, you cannot supply, you cannot accept. I can't think of a time in American history where we've heard stronger words and anything that was right. even close we to that was we are at war. We, yeah, yes. The, the only thing that I think approaches that is uh, Ronald Reagan calling say. the Soviet Union the evil empire and telling Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But those weren't threats. No. Really. Uh, these are threats, essentially, that the American president is making. And I've got mixed feelings on it. Part of me really likes it I, because... I think that's what they respond to. They they respond to everything else as weakness, as Trump just said. And so he certainly isn't isn't responding weakly. He, he's responding with with threatening words that they're not used to, and it must cause some doubt in their minds it as to, to whether or not because they know. I mean, they they cannot they bluster and and they can say whatever they want. But in reality, they have to know we have the capability to completely wipe them off the face of the earth. We, we could do that. And when you've got an American president saying that's a possibility, it's got to create some kind of doubt in your mind, right? Absolutely. I absolutely think it does. That's what they respond to. That's what yeah. they know. The other yeah. interesting thing is they're not stopping. They know they need nuclear capability to be a true world power. They know they have to do that. And they haven't stopped. Kim Jong-un has tested more missiles than his father and grandfather combined, like three times as many as the two of them have combined. I think he's into the 60, 70 Mm. number that he's tested in just a few years. And his father and grandfather together, I think, tested 30. Wow. So they're not stopping. No. Their goal is to have nuclear missile capability. And where do you think they're going to go from there? Are they suddenly going to go, okay, we're here. Now we'll stop being this way. Well, we just want to get along now that we have a seat at the table. No, they don't understand that stuff. No, they don't. It's going to be keep pushing, keep pushing, pushing. Do you think Trump is serious about it? What he says? Don't Uh, test us? Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. Of all the presidents that we've had in recent memory, I think he's the one that may actually back that up with action. It's kind of scary to think because I'm not sure we want that. Uh, I, certainly not a preemptive strike because we don't we don't do that. But uh, on the other hand, you don't want to wait until it's too late and South, Seoul, South Korea is obliterate, obliterated, or he's taken out Hawaii. Well, think think about you and I growing up with Jimmy Carter, knowing how weak he was in the world stage, oh, yeah. and the Soviet Empire and others going, okay, we got this Ronald Reagan. This cat's a cowboy. 
Yeah. You know, this cowboy's coming in. We don't know what this guy's going to do. And it scared our enemies. And it w- there was a little bit of good in that. Yeah, there was. I mean, I think the trick is making sure you present that front where they think you're just a little bit cray-cray. You could go <laughs> off and do this stuff. He may just stab us in the eye, but not so much that they're forced into taking action. Yeah. I think that's right, right where you need to be. We'll see. All right, more to come on the program, including... The crazy continuation of terror attacks and mass shootings. We'll get to those coming up on The Year in Your Ear. Everything worth remembering about 2017. This is The Year in Your Ear. From the Blaze Radio Network. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. The best and worst moments worth remembering. Uh, there is a fake media out there. I get treated very Six women who have accused Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault and sexual behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. 20,000 people then running the for safety. Right 59. A statue of a Confederate soldier is pulled down. Resignation of Michael Flynn There's was brought about. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. The Russians uh, sought to interfere with the election process. I have no dealings with Russia. Women's rights. Has refused the Trump administration to reinstate Bashar the travel ban. Al-Assad launched a horrible chemical weapons attack on innocent civilians. This is 2017, the year in your ear, brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Sounds from the Las Vegas Strip as gunman Stephen Paddock opened fire on a concert across the street from the Mandalay Bay. One of the most significant news stories of 2017. Powerful, powerful sounds. Those are the shots being fired from the shooter, Stephen Paddock. Really horrific. And the only pause Terrifying. is to reload, to pick up another gun, and to shoot again. Just, just unbelievable. Uh, it's unbelievable how little we still know about that, too. We, we don't know any motivation. Uh, we don't know a lot of the facts. A lot of the conflicting uh, evidence we've heard about uh, is kind of unexplained. There's a different story from the hotel than the police and the city and some of the survivors. Uh, there's like four or five different tellings of the event. So it, it's hard for Americans because we, we like to understand why this took place, and we're never going to. Why, why is that? What is your speculation? Now, I, I know the hotel, the Mandalay Bay, they have some different stories, some different angles, because they're also trying to protect themselves from lawsuits. I don't, right. I don't fault them for that. Right. Let's make sure we get all the information and all that. But then we still have no motive, Pat. None right. for Stephen Paddock. Yeah, it's very strange. And it, as, as far as the security guard, I, I think the problem there is, my guess has always been that he's illegally here. 
That's why he wasn't. Oh. That's why he wasn't registered uh, as a security guard, which you must do in Nevada. You have to be registered in order to uh, be a security guard. He in, wasn't. In fact, to work in any hotel, you have to get a what's called a sheriff's card right. from the um, from the Clark County Sheriff. So you go in there and you give them all your personal information. They do this. You want to work in any casino? You got to do that. So which he, he would did have not to that have. As well. He did not. So that's my guess. Is you know other people guess. Well, he was the second shooter. Then I don't. I don't think that's the case at all. I think he's probably illegally here. And so he doesn't want to jeopardize his status in the country. Um, that's probably why he went to Mexico shortly after uh, the event. And he came back and he only only did an interview with Ellen because he knew that was going to be a softball thing. I'm sure they promised him that. Not going to ask you anything hard. And she didn't. And so we really didn't get any answers out of it. There was a metal bracket holding the door in place. And when you saw that, did you think... That's weird. Why would somebody put brackets on a door? Yeah, that was, that's just uh, out of the ordinary. As I was walking down, um, I heard rapid fire. And at first, I, I took cover. I felt a burning sensation. I went to go lift my pant leg up, and I saw the blood. That's when I called it in on my radio that shots have been fired. See, and we still have no confirmation. Was mm-hmm. he shot before Stephen Paddock started the attack? Still don't have that answer. Right. Did Stephen Paddock pause and shoot him? Did it right. happen afterwards? Right. Did he stop it because he shot him? Yeah. How do we not know that? I don't know. And that's why it just doesn't add up in some people's minds. So the problem with that is when you don't have all the information and they're withholding it for whatever reason, I, I, I don't know what the reason is, but it leads to conspiracy theories. It leads to people saying that these are these are crisis actors and this didn't actually happen and nobody got shot and that's just ludicrous i I hate when that happens and it's inevitable when you don't tell people the truth when you don't tell them this is what happened and here's why just a couple of weeks ago we had the third person who survived that attack die in a car accident yeah three of them since then and we wouldn't Strange. even be talking about that if we actually had all the information. But you're right. It right. feeds to those conspiracy theories. I mean, there are still, I mean, I had questions whether or not this was a terror attack defined by, of course, you have to have some sort of political motive to, to technically be a terror attack. So was he politically mm-hmm. motivated? Was somebody else with him? Was he working with somebody else? Yeah. We don't know that. We don't know. But then I speculate, maybe that's not, maybe that's why they're not telling us. They're still investigating, trying to. But it's been months now. Yeah. Yes. And does the does the girlfriend know more than she's saying? I kind of think so. Um, I, it's just it's hard to imagine that she didn't realize that this guy was unhinged. When I, I don't even remember all of the details, but what, didn't he spend he spent some time in a mental institute, right? And then he escaped or left it early. And so I mean, there's all kinds of questions there, and all kinds of unanswered issues that just then people try to fill in the blanks i don't think we'll ever know now it doesn't think, look like it i think people will 20 years from now go remember the 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 shooting remember that what or, was the deal with yeah that? and then we'll, we'll they'll go down the list the next time there's a, a significant shooting or a big one they'll go where does this fall on the list as it stands the most significant or prolific shooting by number of dead 59 killed yeah 527 injured it's inconceivable, really. It's inconceivable. Yeah. Some of them serious enough that they will carry the obvious effects of, of that shooting or being shot for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And yet in that environment, in that 
when you think of the enormity of this situation, then we have so few answers. We don't know the guy's motive. We don't know any of those things. We don't know if maybe there was a collaborator. We, was the girlfriend involved? Did she at least know about it or that he had this propensity? Could it have been stopped and got none of those answers? And what's the deal with the timeline on this? Because we've got two or three different timelines. So it makes it really tough. And then just weeks later, we get the New York terror attack. Again, right. terror defined by because he did have a political motive and ideology. And that was the Muslim extremist who drove his car onto one of the the pathways which i've thought about when i run on pathways you know and go run away i'm like boy this would be a pretty sick especially in new york yeah i mean there's a lot of people here's some of the sounds from that as emergency crews were arriving to take care of the eight people killed eight people killed and many more injured in, in that attack do you realize how many people could have been killed if he had waited a few hours later? Because this was leading up to the big Halloween parade right. in Manhattan. Now, I don't know why he didn't, if this was a better timing, if he just finally went off completely off the rails at that moment. But you could have had dozens more killed if he had timed it just a few hours later. Yeah, he drove down 20 city blocks. 20 blocks. Now, in New York City, there's always a ton of people out uh, no matter what time of day it is no matter what block you're talking about in manhattan there are you know thousands of people continually walking down those sidewalks and on those bike paths and so yeah, this could have been a lot worse what was it like to see it happen what was it like to be on the streets i was in my car on the passenger side the back door and i heard a big smash so then I looked up and I saw the bus after it hit the pickup truck, hit the bus. It was coming right at my car. But then the driver swerved uphill on Chamber Street. And then I looked back down to the pickup truck to see if the guy was okay. And You he, thought it was an accident. I thought it was an accident. And literally he had his hands up in the air and I saw guns in his hands, waving them and coming towards me. I see two gentlemen laying there and they have tire track marks across them. I saw a guy with two guns. He's just running in the middle of the street. Oh my gosh. Tire tracks across them. So some images there that are really disturbing. So he rented the Home Depot truck, took it down there and started running people over. The fact that people started calling out Home Depot on social media after this happened or they were painted in some sort of negative light shows that we have missed the point. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're do, if you're mentioning that stuff, it's the, the gun argument too. I was killed with the gun, we got to stop the guns. You're missing the point. This isn't about the method. This is about... The people. The people. It's about the terrorists themselves or the murderers, the mass murderers themselves. And every time uh, there's a huge segment of our society that misses the mark. And that's why they keep happening because we won't deal with the real issues. So what are the solutions? This is something that Pat and I focus on on our programs on the Blaze Radio Network. Whenever any of these issues or any other issues come up, what are the solutions to this stuff? We'll get to those solutions and more from the year in your ear when we continue. This is the year in your ear. 
the biggest stories of 2017. Using chemical weapons again. This is act of evil. Recounted. The FBI is investigating. These are dark times. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 2017, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. It's Doc Thompson and Pat Gray, regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network, on the Blaze TV as well. For the year in your ear, if you'd like to join us on the Blaze TV and check out our programs, we got a great offer for you. Just go to theblaze.com slash free trial. Start your free trial today and get 25% off when you sign up. The free trial is 14 days, but starting on day two, you get codes for 25% off and then 20% after that. Just go to theblaze.com slash free trial. So, Pat, what are the solutions to all these crazy people? We know it's about the people. It's not the method of killing. Mm-hmm. And even uh, Stephen Paddock, we don't know his true motivations, but there was some crazy in there. Mm-hmm. What are our solutions? I, I mean, you got to focus on the fact that um, so many people are desensitized <coughs> to human life. I, I, I don't know how to fix that. You got to get back to God, for one thing. Would help a lot. You got to restore the family unit to help a lot. Um, we, we've got to do something about mental illness because we're not willing to even talk about that. What are we, what are we going to do about people who are mentally ill? Uh, and, and how do you detect that in advance of them going off and killing 59 people in the case of Las Vegas shooting or 26 people in the case of the shooting in Texas in Sutherland Springs at the church? So I think, yeah, yeah, you have two levels of crazy you have just mentally unstable regardless of everything else in your life. Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, um, you're hearing voices, whatever it is, and you're able to go and do this. And then you have a certain mm-hmm. level of, and this may not be a clinical crazy, but where you're crazy enough that you can do this, but you've been radicalized. I think you have mm-hmm. those two things. So you're right. Mm-hmm. Mental illness, we have to focus on that. I'm fine with, with you know, uh, committing public money to greater mental health screening and services. Absolutely. Where mm-hmm. do we get that money? Because I'm somebody that thinks we spend too much and you, they take too much from us. Um, you allocate other monies. You get a bigger bang for your buck by cleaning up systems of government and you allocate money that is wasted other places. And you can dedicate What, what that a concept. Money. Yeah, I yeah, mean, right? What a concept. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. How about, uh, you know, we get rid of the post office and some of this other stuff that <laughs> we don't need and say maybe we start screening people, right? Yeah. Do something like that. But as far as the people that are radicalized, Pat, and this is something that I hear very few people talk about, people that are radicalized are able to be radicalized because they feel disconnected from society. Mm-hmm. Part of it's the family unit. You know, uh, there's, there's not enough love, enough outreach from our churches, stuff like this. Um, the economy creates those systems for people. Mm-hmm. You feel disconnected. You don't have a future. You may blame it on your race, religion, whatever. Ah, those racists don't like me or those people. Whatever it is, they're able to get to you. But it starts with you feeling disconnected and you don't have a place in society. Yeah, no question about it. And as for the gunman in um, in Sutherland Springs, I, I don't even know that we dealt with the real issue there. The real issue may have been that this is an atheist attacking Christians. They, they tried to pin it on he he had something for his ex-wife and his in-laws. They weren't even there. None of the people that he supposedly hated so much and wanted revenge on for whatever reason 
weren't even there, and yet he went ahead and killed 26 people who were there. Seems more like an attack on Christians or churchgoers than it does anything else to me. And nobody's talking about that. I think the Sutherland Springs shooting, although less people killed, less people injured, was more significant in a lot of ways than the Las Vegas attack. Because he planned this at a church when you are so vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, I think about this when I'm in church all the time. You know, I'm down on my knees praying or whatever, and it always crosses my mind how vulnerable we are. And then he managed to shoot almost everybody in the building. Yeah. It held about 50 people. There was only one way out. They couldn't get past him. He shot children, point blank range. Babies. Babies. I mean, that's yeah, just that's an extra level of twisted. Sure. But is. what is so significant about that is the guy who stopped him, the guy with a gun who stopped him from doing, because this guy went on the run. He was going to kill other people. Yeah. yeah. That was his plan. The guy explaining how, and the guy was not proud of it per se. He just talked systematically about how he stopped him. I grabbed a handful of ammunition and started loading my magazine. Uh, I ran outside. I didn't even take time to put my shoes on. And I ran across the street looking for it. And when I, I came into the neighbor's yard, his, his Dodge pickup truck was sitting right there. And I noticed an SUV, a gray SUV, sitting across from the church, or in front of the church, across the street from, from my neighbor's house, with the driver's side door open in the middle of the street. And I didn't know it at the time, but the engine was running. And I'm trying to survey the situation, not knowing what's going on. And then I saw a man in a black tactical helmet with a sun with a dark shaded helmet on and uh, obviously looked to me like it, it was bulletproof vest and he had a pistol in his hand and we exchanged gunfire he saw me and I saw him and, and I was st- standing behind a pickup truck for cover and and we exchanged I'm like it was surreal to me it, it could, couldn't be couldn't be happening I, I could not believe it um, and we we exchanged gunfire and I, I, I know I hit him I, I, I don't know where I hit him <laughs> but I know I hit him and he got into his vehicle and he fired another couple of rounds through his side window and I fired when the window dropped I fired another round at him again and one as he was pulling away and he turned down 539 farm to market road 539 and sped away he yes. ended up hopping in uh, passerby's truck and they went and tracked the guy down held him at gunpoint as it turns Followed out him at shot. high speed high speed yeah until the police came But to hear this guy talk about it, he wasn't a cowboy. He wasn't shooting the place up or anything like that. He wasn't proud of it. He was just happy he was able to stop him. Because unfortunately, Pat, when people like you and I say, listen, having a gun, I'd rather have one, a good guy with a gun there, you know, to stop something like this if possible. I'd rather have that than to be trapped in a church without a gun where he's just shooting babies. Yeah. 
But I think a lot of people get the image of me going, all right, I'm strapping that gun on, going to shoot it out with the guy. Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is the guy that I want out there to show people what I'm talking about. Definitely. Definitely. Or a true American hero. And he denies that. But I, I consider him to be one. And then the guy passing by whose truck he hops into, here comes a guy with a, with a gun. <laughs> right. You don't know who he is. Yep. Walks up to the guy and says, hey, that guy just shot up the church. We need to go find him. Okay, get in. I mean, just like that. So both these guys were just extraordinary. And and to take off and and throw caution to the wind and put yourself on the line like that, I don't know if a lot of people would do that. No, probably not. But maybe that's maybe that's the if there is any good that comes out of the the shooting in Texas, maybe that's the good. This is the year in your ear. Reliving 2017's most memorable events. The latest on Harvey Weinstein. The, the FBI Director James Comey has been Another fired. Another missile launch by North Korea. The, US the year in your ear. From the Blaze Radio Network. Twenty seventeen, the year in your ear now continues. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson and Pat Gray on the Year in Your Ear. If you get a chance, please follow us on Twitter. It's at Pat Unleashed and at Doc Thompson Show. Regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network. Joining us now for the Blaze Radio Network, a man who falls even lower than us on the organizational chart. That really, the be, only the only human yeah. being right. who does fall. I mean, there's some like single celled amoeba, some protozoa, something yeah. like that. But yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Fisher joins us now to run down the list of people we've lost this year. Boy, it hurt going through this list. Uh, mm-hmm. I was looking at all the people that Tom uh, Petty that died. Tom Petty's the one that hurt. That's the one. Tom was the one. Well, I mean, I mean, I like his music, but I'm like, wow, he wasn't that much older than right. me. That's well, yeah. I mean, look, age is all just your perspective. True. Right, I mean, well, how, how much older was he than you? I don't remember how old he was. <laughs> John Hurt died 77. The actor Mike Connors, Barbara Hale. The only reason that I mentioned this person is because she made it to 106. I have no idea who she is. Brunhilde Pomsel. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Don't you remember? Brunhilde From uh, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. She was the, uh, the maid. Hmm. hmm. Good call. 106, though, she I'm made completely it. making no, that I, up. I have no, no one in the world knows <laughs> Had I not said that, 99% of the people no, and then some would have been like, You should not have owned up to that. Edit that all out so nobody that hears is it. fantastic. <laughs> you should not have owned up to that at all. But then we get closer to home with, uh, you know, Charles Manson. Yeah. Died. And, uh, you know, he's. We lost Look, him. I know. It, what a shame. People, I know many people are really upset about Let's that. pause a moment. Okay, that's long okay, enough. Okay, that's good. Uh-huh. David Cassidy. What? Uh, Wait, David Cassidy? Della Reese. David Cassidy died? Yeah. You, I, miss, uh, you missed that one? Uh, no, I missed that. David Cassidy died? When? Yeah. Weeks ago, a couple weeks <laughs> From ago. What? Yeah. From what? Eventually, it was kid, uh, uh, organ yeah, failure. Organ failure, yeah. I don't know what... Organ what, failure of what? what? He was struggling with some kind of disease, disease for a while, or, and yeah. yeah. It was kind of slow and sad at the end. It was, I didn't know that. That's really sad. How old are you feeling now? Oh, wow. That's... I mean, David was 67. Della Reese. Wow. Did you know Della Reese died? Uh, I, yes, I think. I always enjoyed her. She was fun. Mel Tillis. Who's that? Mel Tillis. Mel Tillis. Okay. Mm-hmm. The stuttering... Yeah. Country singer. Mm-hmm. John Hillerman. 
I don't know who that actor? is. Actor? Oh, come on. John Hillerman. From, the actor? From mm. uh, uh, Tom Selleck? Oh, Chitty Chitty Bang oh. Bang. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was the maid, right? Yeah. In Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes. He, yeah. He was the maid in Chitty Chitty Bang yeah, Bang. You I remember that. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ralphie May. That one, he was I really know. young, but I mean, the cat's 45, large, so. but he was, you know, he was pushing, you know, that five, 600 pound mark. Yeah. Who's and Ralphie May? The comedian. comedian. Funny, though. Really oh, from funny. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? <laughs> yeah. He played the, the butler, yeah, actually. Yeah, okay. He mm-hmm. played the guy that kept the car tied down. <laughs> All right. Fats Domino, of course, we talked about that. Yeah, it's sad. I enjoyed Fats Domino. I, I did too. Harry Dean Stanton, big time actor, died. Frank Vincent, I, I'm, he was one of the big mobster guys. Big time actor is a bit of a stretch for Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> Better, like two movies that anybody would know. Maybe He's done a one. lot of stuff. Oh. Who was the last one you just Look said? Look at the. Mm-hmm. Who was wow. the last one you just said? Frank Vincent? Yeah. The mobster? Who's that? The mobster guy who played in The Sopranos and uh, a lot of the mob movies, Goodfellas, all the the mob movies. Oh, yeah. He's he's in the Italian line of where whenever you make a mob movie, you have to hire him. Scorsese's like, all right, get me the usual suspects, right? They're all... all, (laughs) (laughs) No, we're the mob actors. Right, exactly. That's who we are. Mm. Um, uh, Glenn Campbell. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Glenn Campbell died. Jerry Lewis. Sad. Wow, I forgot about him. It's always Jerry a year Lewis. you're like, oh, that was this oh, year, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? I know. That was. I know. Here's somebody, one of Pat's favorites yeah. uh, over the years, uh, Dick Gregory. Oh, yeah. Uh, died. Awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. The poet awesome. and activist, Dick Gregory. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. The great, the incomparable. Can we just the, call him the incomparable? Yes, yes we can we call can. him the incomparable. Uh, Jay Thomas. Uh, that's sad. That is sad. Well, being radio guys, too, that hits I yeah. know. And he had a great mm-hmm. Lone Ranger story. If you have not heard it's, the J. Thomas Lone Ranger story. It's one of the funniest Go out of ever. your way to listen to the J. Thomas Lone Ranger story because it is really I really wish I actually funny. had that happen to me just yes. so you could tell the story, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, Richard Anderson, $6 million man, Perry Mason. Wait. Was, was he, Oscar, he was Oscar Goldman, right? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Richard Dean Anderson died? Not Richard Dean no. Anderson. Richard, oh, Richard Anderson. Anderson. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, he was Oscar oh, Goldman. Was in, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. In Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was, okay. it was the mashup of the $6 million man meets <laughs> Chitty, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Bang. That's a great movie. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Yeah. Great movie. Um, John Hurd, the actor, from you remember him? I know, Pat, you followed his entire career. John Hurd. Well, right he was uh, the chef in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, mm-hmm, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Adam so, West, Batman died. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. Come on. That's I know. You know what I love about Adam West? It, it, towards the end, he just he ran with it. He sure did. He was on Family Guy. He, he mocked the whole why thing. Why not? Yeah. I mean, but I mean, some of these guys can't do that. They, I, I mean, know, it's like J.J. Uh, J. Walker refused to say dynamite. He'd, he'd walk off his sets. It's like, just own it, dude. But in today's world, if he needed money, he would go to the Comic Con and start saying mm. dynamite, I think. You think so? I mean, what's, Is he he's, still he's with a radio us? guy now, right? I, mean, I don't yeah. know. There's a radio show in Nebraska or something. Wow. I think he does. Um, Roger Ailes. Yeah. Big guy. Um, yeah. Passed away. Roger Moore. Oh, oh that's right. Uh, Chris Cornell. The second to the worst. From right? Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Yeah. The second to the worst uh, 007, by the way. Roger Moore, second to the worst? Yeah. If it were not for Timothy Dalton. Mm. Yeah, Roger yeah. Moore would be. Yeah, yeah, Tim was. Oof. And I don't know if it was really him or just the movies were so horrible through that period. Uh, mm. They got all touchy feely, like, oh, it's late. He's getting into the nineties. We got to be more sensitive. Roger was not the worst, though. No, no. Uh, Greg Allman. Yeah, wh- uh, what did he die of? 
Any idea? I don't remember what Greg Tyler was. <laughs> <laughs> was sure. Ultimately, yeah. it was the organ result failure. of his lifestyle. But was organ we don't know specifically, yeah. but <laughs> what, it was you know forty years of partying that led to whatever it was. Right. <laughs> but I, I mean, right. I don't know if he uh, died of that hooker he picked up in Nebraska or, or drugs or something or Oklahoma, but it, but it ultimately led it to that. Yeah. I mean, we lost Manuel Noriega too uh, this year. Another another really good guy <laughs> that we're sad. To see, remember them blasting go. his compound with music back in that. Remember yes. that? Yes. <laughs> Just yeah. blaring yes. music. Uh-huh. So, you know, for the first like three hours, you're like, "What the hell is that going to do?" And about eighteen hours yeah, in, lying. you're like, "All right, where's that sharp knife?" I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I might not even take eighteen hours. I can't handle my 12. dog barking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like twenty minutes in. I'm like, "All right, where's the gun?" Don Rickles. <laughs> I like Don Rickles. I know Pat was a big fan, a fan of Don Rickles. Oh, I love Don Rickles. I, I did too. I, I ran really into him Don. in a uh, yeah. in an Italian restaurant with uh, our boss Dom uh, a couple years ago in Las Vegas, hmm. and really wanted to approach him and picture, yeah. but he was he was eating, and you know we just. I know, but he would have attacked you. It would have been great. I, oh, that's true. I should have gone with that. As long as you get it on film, right? I mean, it would have been would have been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he just would have ripped you apart. What are you crazy? Mm. It would have been good. That would have. Hey, I'm uh, eating here. Right. You know the Don Rickles story about that. With, with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Sinatra. Yeah, the another great story. <laughs> it's an awesome it, look it but, up. I mean, if you'd have gone up to him and said, hey, Don, <laughs> I know you're busy, but I need a picture. Give me a selfie. <laughs> he would have. Now, he either would have been, okay, sure. Or gone off. Or gone off. Either way, it's gold. Right. Damn it. Where are you? Jay Giles. Jay Giles died at 71, too. Another musician died. I don't the, think I knew Jay Giles oof. died. If, if I knew that. I Were you a Jay Giles fan? Forgot. Yeah, I like I liked Jay Giles. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck Berry. Wow. Icon. I mean, a lot of big musicians yeah. died this year. I know. Chuck Barris. He was, uh, he was yeah. responsible for a lot of television. You know wow. the story that he claims to have been a CIA yes. agent? Yes. That's a yeah, fascinating we talked one. To him. Yeah. We t- I talked to him when he, wrote his, also, when he wrote his book. Also a songwriter. He wrote the song Palisades Park. We did. I did an interview mm-hmm. with him. And uh, I wanted to know about uh, Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. Gene Gene, Gene the, the Dancing Machine. Machine. Remember the guy who used to show. come out and dance yeah. on the Gong Show, and mm-hmm. he was so fun. And I wanted, mm-hmm. and so I was like, Chuck, you know, you doing the Gong Show and Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. It was always fun, you know. He but, went off. What's he doing? No, and he goes, Oh, it's really sad. He's got diabetes. He's lost his legs. <laughs> and he's, I, I, oh my gosh, Chuck, <laughs> Chuck! Just tell me he's, <laughs> he's, he's doing not fine. Doing right? Just say doing great. Don't don't give me the real answer. Oh man, sorry, Gene like, can't okay, Dallas okay, so anymore. He lost his. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> How about that book? Huh? Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, sad to see those uh, those oh, folks even, go. What else did you get? Did you miss somebody? We got, we got Hugh Hefner, my oh, hero. Oh, wow. Yeah, my hero, Hugh Hefner, and Al Jarreau. I, got to I didn't know about Al either. Where have I been this year? Oh my year? gosh, what are wow. you doing? Jeez. I mean, you have to, though. That, that hurt you a little bit? Close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sorry close to see him go. Um, what do you mean? Can we give Why it the appropriate amount like of time to pause and reflect? Yeah, I think that. Because you've been laughing. It. You've been yucking this up, Jeff. Pause know. and reflect here. Are you pausing? Are you reflecting? Oh, very good. <sighs> you just did. Back with more in a moment on The Year in Your Ear. 2017. But in dark times, the year in your ear, Americans do what they do best. We pull together. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. (laughs) 
2017. The president-elect of the United States, Donald J. Trump. reports of an active shooter near the Mandalay Bay Casino. The, the year in your ear. The deadly terror attack in lower Manhattan today. Now returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson and Pat Gray with the year in your ear. And joining us now is Mike Broomhead from KFYI Radio in Phoenix. Hey, Mike. How's it going, guys? Good. Mike, your thoughts on uh, the Republican success rate the last year? Um, what Republican <laughs> success rate? This well, past I mean, year? you know, with the uh, Obamacare. I mean, look, it's wow. They yeah, mm. yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about Obamacare. This is very personal. Arizona got hammered so hard. Um, a credit to um, I'm going to say something. Let me finish before you get upset with me. A credit to Jeff Flake's office. Um, Senator Jeff Flake put out a document that showed that in every single county in our state. The average family that is on the Obamacare um, exchanges pays more money in insurance premiums than they do for their mortgage in every county in Arizona. Wow. And uh, so success of not doing anything with that is, uh, is, is almost sinful. It is hammering families in Arizona and the people it's supposed to help. It's not helping at all. What happened to going down $2,500 per family <laughs> per year? What happened to that? that uh, well, that was a really that compelling was, argument. It's going to go down twenty five hundred per family per year. Didn't uh, he say ish? No, <laughs> it was never ish. Are you sure? No, no, there was no ish there. It was, it was, it is despicable. There was going to be one county, a major county in Arizona uh, called Pinal County, was not going to have any health care provider in the exchanges at all until one finally came on board. It is, wow. it is hammering so many families here. We all know what it's doing. Was it 57% of the fines that were paid in 2016 were paid by families that were making $50,000 a year or less in adjusted income. So the people it's supposed to help, it didn't help. You can't keep provider. You can't keep your plan. It, it's just been one debacle after another. And the one thing you would think they would be able to get together and fix they can't even get that repealed and replaced mike we waited for 2017 this was our year give us the house we gave you the house give us the senate we give you the senate all right finally the white house as well they've got the three to make the magic happen 2017 was supposed to be our year to reform or at least repeal obamacare yeah, and I don't. Uh, my biggest issue is the way that you see the Democrats get unified. In once something gets done, they stand behind mm. each other. The Republicans, I like the, I love the independent thinking. I like people saying that we've got to make sure we fight for what's right. But in the end, you're eating your own because 2018 is going to be a bloodbath in an election year if they're not careful. They have got to get something done. Well, as far as Obamacare, let's look to the future then. What are the odds they're going to do something? As you said, 2018 is an election year. Any of them going to actually go out on a limb on, uh, for the, you know, heading down to the midterms? I don't know. I think when they start seeing the writing on the wall, when they start looking at all generic polling that they're losing, it seems to be that election losses motivate them. Shocking as it may sound, self-preservation is a great thing. You know, things are tenuous here. Jeff Flake isn't gonna, is not retaining his seat. We know that John McCain's health is not good. So there could be huge changes in the landscape in Arizona just there. But in the House, we've got a lot of races that are up for grabs here. I just think if they don't get something done, this do-nothing Congress that the Democrats are going to attack them with is going to stick, and they are going to lose both houses of Congress if they're not careful. Yeah, but we, we do have a president that can tweet. So we've got that going for us. I mean, and he can tweet in the bathroom. He can t- he can tweet on an mm-hmm. airplane. Mm-hmm. He can tweet when he goes to bed. He can tweet when he gets up. He can tweet, and uh, that's something. I mean, he's governing by tweets, so that's never been said before. Uh, so we've had a we had a president with a cell phone and a pen, and uh-huh. we've got one now with a cell phone and a Twitter account. Yes. 
So we've got that going for us at least. They're not good at getting anything done, but they can they can say things in under 140 characters. But uh, in the end, in the end, I think that that Trump is going to be graded on whether or not he can accomplish get any of his agenda pushed through. But immediately in this midterm. You know, all the House of Representatives is up for grabs, a third of the Senate, and I think they're just going to say, do nothing Republicans, do nothing Republicans, and they're not going to care yeah. so much exactly who's to blame, but they're going. To, I think people are going to clean house. I think you're right. If they don't do something soon, they're going to lose. They're going to lose and the House. How much of this, though, falls on the shoulders of Mitch McConnell not being able to get people together in the Senate? Because, you know, I, I've, I've not been someone that's hammered him very hard, but in the end, if this were the NFL, the coach would be gone. And, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if he's a good guy. I use Andy Reid as an example mm-hmm. of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a legend there. They're going to name streets after that guy. But they weren't getting it done, and they moved him out. Now, that doesn't mean long-term how they felt about him, but they, win now is the motto, and that's the Republicans better get that through their heads. All right, so let's talk solutions moving ahead. Hot. How do we get Obamacare repealed then? What's the solution, Mike? I think that, first of all, the Republicans got to come up with a plan that the American people understand. And they got to do a better job selling it to the, the voters because the voters will move the needle in the right direction. But how horrible was it with the tax plan that they put through? Did you guys have mm-hmm. any idea what they were talking about with the three buckets? I didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> no. You know, and, no. and with Obamacare, we're going to repeal and replace. Well, there's three buckets and there's this first bucket we have to vote on. What are you talking about? If they don't go to the American people and say, here's the solution, we're going to drive up competition, really. We're going to open the doors for competition. Whatever the plan is, if they don't sell it to us, all of us, the voices we are in the mornings and in the afternoons, if we can't tell our listeners, this is what's in this plan, is it good or bad, and let the people decide, if we don't understand it and we do this for a living, how is anybody that doesn't do it for a living going to understand it? Well, I know the third bucket was to vomit in. That was the once you do the rest of it. All right, Mike Broomhead, KFYI Radio in Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you joining us on the year in your ear. This is The Year in Your Ear, brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network.